Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our series, um, Life Beyond the Chariot, our Faith in Family series that we're doing. Today, we are joined with a special guest, Elizabeth Slayton. But before we do introductions, we are going to begin in prayer. Again, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for our faith. Thank you for uh, allowing us to be together in community. Uh, we ask that you bless this time together, help us to uh, to be uh, the church that you've called us to be, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so just for introductions, my name is Mickey Seba. I am the catechetical specialist here at the St. Philip Institute, and my co-host? I'm Deanna Johnston, the director of family life for the Institute. Can you show them your assistant director? Oh, sure. Maybe. <laughs> we always like to show him because sometimes he gives a lot of um, baby amens. <laughs> You'll get feedback. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we are joined um, by a very special guest. And I know we've um, had multiple, multiple conversations with you. And we just love what you have to say. So um, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Elizabeth Slayton. I'm the Director of um, Evangelization and Catechesis at St. Mary's Catholic Church here in the Diocese of Tyler. Um, I've, yeah, it's great to be with you guys. I think we've had done episodes like this before, and I, it's good to be back. And I would say you're one of our one of our experts in evangelization and catechesis. So we're so excited to have you on today because I know that there have been... Uh, like during this time of quarantine, the whole idea of evangelizing in this age or this time where a lot of our stuff is digital uh, and there's been less personal interaction. And so what does that look like as a church, as a community, um, for leaders who are involved in ministry? Like, how do we deal with what's going on? And so we just wanted to have you on to sort of you know, go over those things, work those things out, add any insight that we have. So. We are so glad that you're here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm pulling up my, my notes. My phone keeps going. <laughs> it keeps turning off. So, um, okay. So one of the things that I want, just wanted to start off with is that the mission of the church doesn't change at all, even if the times that we are in are drastically different. So regardless of the time we're in or the circumstances surrounding us, the church is always called to continue its mission of evangelization, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is the work that was began that began with Jesus, continued through the apostles, especially at Pentecost. Uh, and the message of Jesus remains the same. The mission of the church remains the same, but our delivery in that needs to change. So, as someone um, who is, uh, how long have you been um, graduated from grad school? Um, three years. Okay. So you like kind of, two weeks ago, it was three years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. But just from your perspective, what do you see as far as, or what did you see maybe as growing up, um, in the church and then your time in college and then grad school, just how the church has handled, I guess, an increase or a notice that they needed to increase like digital content and online content and sort of where we are now with that. Yeah, um, I think that we're de we've definitely, as a church, we've started to do better. And I think I was very proud of the church and our immediate reaction whenever the public masses were suspended. Of all of a sudden, we were 
really uh, on board with going online. Um, obviously, it's taken a little bit of time for the church to kind of get on board with this because the online world is something that you kind of have to learn how to use and learn how to use well. And um, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of content online, you know, both positive and negative. So learning to be a positive influence in the online world and kind of like sift through all of the, the bad, there just seems to be more like negative online than there is positive. I think that was something that the, the church had to learn to do. But um, definitely, definitely, I think that uh, we're learning how to do it better and better and just making making the faith more available to people, which is really good because especially with the younger generation, so millennials and Gen Z, which are um, the first, uh, the oldest of Gen Z just graduated from college this year. So they're now starting to enter the workforce. Um, uh, those two generations are very heavily online. Um, we go to work, we work all day long, we go home, we sit on the couch and we get on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok's the new thing, I guess. So I think it's, I've always been a huge advocate for the church being online. Um, and I definitely try and use my social media platforms as a means for evangelization. Um, so it's really, that was a really long answer to say that I think we're, we're, we're getting there and um, we're doing it really well. So yeah, the stuff and you guys do it. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, the stuff y'all do at the Institute too, with the videos and the podcasts and um, the articles and things like that, those are very helpful resources as well. So that's been really great to have. Oh, thanks. And I, I think that um, it, we, Mickey and I were talking before we, we started that it was really interesting when the public masses were suspended, how quickly we all went online because the church moves slow. <laughs> like we oh, like yeah. to think about yes. things and pray so about So now things. we know. There's no excuse. We, we, can, we, can make, we can make things happen. Exactly. And it made me wonder, like, well, why haven't we been doing this before? Because uh, how beautiful it has been to just scroll through on, on Facebook and see so many different opportunities for Mass. And I, I think we saw it more in the beginning when we were like, oh, I'm watching Mass here. I'm, I'm doing this here. Uh, but that non-Catholics were seeing the Holy Mass being celebrated simply because people were sharing that content online and what a simple form of evangelization that is. Yeah, one of the things that I thought was beautiful to see was it's almost as if like immediately the church, not that she ever forgot her mission to evangelize, but it was, it was, I guess, um, arose with a new fervor um, and trying to accommodate bringing Christ to the, to the people in a way that we've never sort of, with the restrictions that we've never been restricted before, at least in our age, that was really powerful to see people being creative and innovative in how can we still spirit, spiritually feed our, our church community. And that was really great to see, you know, priests taking it to the streets, you know, bringing adoration into the streets, um, drive, drive, um, drive in like confessionals, you know, and parking lot, parking lot masses. I mean, there have been so much that's happened where I think the church, we didn't forget our mission, but this brought it to light. Like we need Jesus and it's the role of the church to bring that to people. And so it's been a beautiful thing to see. Definitely. Yeah. It's been, it's been really nice to see. 
Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And one of the things too that um, I was reading and actually an article that you sent, I forgot, I, I forgot the title of it. Um, do you have, have it? it right here? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. It's, um, it's by Pope John Paul II. It was his address to, it was his address on the 36th World Communications Day back in May of 20, 2002. Um, and the whole address was basically all about how he, it's titled Internet, A New Forum for Proclaiming the Gospel. And basically he talks about how the internet is like our new Roman forum, mm -hmm. which the Roman forum was where everything happened. It's where um, people hung out and socialized. It's where business happened. It's, um, there were a lot of religious things that took place. So he kind of talks about how the internet and this was back in 2002, is kind of this new place where we can evangelize like um, the apostles did in the Roman Forum. So it's kind of a cool image there that we get from the Pope. Yeah. One of the things that he says in there is he says the internet can offer magnificent opportunities for evangelization if used with competence and a clear aw awareness of its strengths and weaknesses. And I think what you said earlier when we introduced this, that when people learn to use it well, because it can bring out the best in people or it can bring out the worst in people and how we use it, um, that our, our Christian life, our life in Christ doesn't go on pause when we log into social media. Um, and especially at, like church leaders, like learning how to take the wealth of um, instruction and catechesis that we already have and making that available and realizing that it can be, it can spark someone's interest um, with that initial encounter with Jesus. And it's really great at providing a wealth of information for people to continue learning um, about theology, moral living, about prayer. I mean, it really is wonderful, but I, I do think as people who are, have a presence almost every day, um, on social media, that it's really important to realize how we're acting and how we are mm -hmm. representing ourselves when it comes to that, to make sure that we don't, we don't leave um, our calling as a child of God, you know, when we log in. So, right. I, um, I can't remember if I was having a conversation with someone or if I was listening to a podcast, but the conversation was about social media and um, I think it was a podcast, and they were saying how um, you are your true self on social media, which was a little bit of like a gut check for me because it was like, oh, so I could log on and look at my posts for the past month, you know, and figure out what kind of person I am. And that's really true. We're mo our most authentic self online because there's no physical human presence to keep us in check. It's mm -hmm. just us and a screen. Um, so that that's very true. Um, our when when social media when uh, digital communications are used well they are a very powerful force for the gospel yeah um absolutely agree and i know we've talked a lot about sort of um how the church has amped up its digital presence during this time and it's almost been the norm that that's how we've communicated um with people shared the good news um maybe some way the only maybe the only way some people could take part in um, the mass. So I do think though that there is a danger to becoming comfortable with just releasing online and digital content that yes, it's necessary that there's a presence there. But um, what would, what would you say about um, the danger that could exist with a complete like digital um, existence? Yeah. 
so this is I've been thinking about this a lot lately because um, I've always been a huge advocate for the church being online and utilizing social media. And I've seen tremendously good things come out of like my social media platforms and using them as a means to evangelize. But I think this whole, um, you know, quarantine COVID-19 thing has really just kind of emphasized for me the role that online communications play and just how actually how small that role is. It's not, um, I don't think that it's as, it, it doesn't play as big of a role in the, um, in evangelization as we think it does. Um, this is from Pope Benedict XVI. This is his statement on the 45th World Communications Day back in 2011. And he says this, I thought this was really good. Um, Even when it is proclaimed in a virtual space of the web, the gospel demands to be incarnated in the real world. So incarnated means um, to be embodied or in flesh, to be to come in human form. Okay, so he's saying the gospel demands to be incarnated in the real world and linked to real faces of our brothers and sisters, those with whom we share our daily lives. Direct hum- human relationships always remain fundamental for the transmission of faith. Um, and I just think that that's so powerful. We are as human beings, we're 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 physical material beings. There's a reason why we have sacraments that have material components, water, smells, bread, wine, because we we need the material. There is something about physical presence that is vital to who we are as humans. So when we take evangelization, when we take catechesis and put it all online, um, there is a huge part of who we are as humans that is just missing or not being cared for, um, or just not happening. So there is evangelization online, in my opinion, is only effective when it makes it to an in-person human encounter. And that's what I've seen when I've had people approach me on my social media platforms or reach out to me on primarily Instagram is where I am. I'll get a message on Instagram and I'll have conversations with people on Instagram but the conversion happens when I take it to an in-person encounter. When I say, let's go get coffee, you know, or why don't you stop by the church and let's chat. Um, and I think that that's, it's really hard to kind of keep in mind now because we have all of this social distancing and where a lot of people are afraid to be around people because we just don't know. There's a lot that we don't know. But I think that that's probably something that we as Christians should really consider. How can we take everything that we have on the digital world and that we've been sharing online and make it an in-person human encounter. That's such a great point. And I know for, for my husband and I, we were just reflecting on, you know, we're, we're introverts. We're very comfortable with just hanging out with each other. Uh, But this whole experience of being away from parish life and from community, we felt it in a, in a pretty significant way and um and it it really sounds like the the digital content that the church puts out it has to be the beginning of the conversation i I really like the image that you you painted there that it that the end point really does need to be this incarnational (laughs) community life because that's what we're designed to be we're designed to be the we're, we're we are the body of christ and so we we can't just be content with like i'm i'm gonna be the hand over here and then you're gonna be way over there 
Um, but always finding a way to have that, that communal life. And there's so many different, different aspects of it because you can almost go too far one way where we lean heavily on parish life and we expect the parish to offer everything and we forget the importance of uh, like the family life and, and domestic church. But there's this beautiful balance between like, okay, well, I need to make sure that my domestic church is in, is intact and is uh, pursuing holiness, but I also need to be part of the bigger community. I can't just be content with, I'm going to live my faith over here and it's going to be Team Johnston and maybe I'll interact with other, other folks. Um, and I think specifically of like marriage preparation or marriage formation in our diocese, we've been having these, these retreats and now we're trying to go to an online platform and we already know that, uh, especially with these, with engaged couples or anybody in formation for a sacrament, we can offer some great videos and things like that online, but it's got, it, there has to be a follow-up where we connect people to each other. Um, and I think even before quarantine or even before COVID hit, um, isolation or getting really comfortable with not being together, I think that that was probably an issue even, even before all this mm -hmm. started. So, yeah. And I think so then too, that I wanted to draw on what you said. And, um, cause earlier I said, you know, uh, that we risk the danger of becoming like exclusively digital, which is actually not possible with the Catholic church because we have the sacraments. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, um, because the sacraments are, um, the visible signs that God's grace flows through, right? That is where we encounter um, a tremendous, a treasury of God's grace. And the Eucharist where we encounter Jesus, which is why this time has been so painful for some people because having that separation um, has been challenging and very difficult and heart-wrenching for many people. But the, the thing I love about Catholicism is that we embrace body and soul. And that Jesus knows that he, God created us that way and gives us the sacrament. So we don't risk going all digital because we can't, we can't, we are a sacramental church. But what I, I do hope people realize is that we don't get away from that, that we, we realize that it is so important. We are body and soul. We are made for community. We are made for union with each other. And ultimately we're made for union with, God, who is a trinity of persons, and that that relational thing, uh, being in relationship, living in relationship, can never be replaced. Right. With the, even the greatest digital content um, that's out right. there. Exactly. So Definitely. as we sort of uh, look at the time that that we're in, um, I know that there has been a challenge. Okay, well, how do you maintain sort of this human? interaction relationship during this time of quarantine. And I know now we're sort of coming, um, I think hopefully, you know, we've been able to, uh, with some restrictions and limitations, some people have been able to go back to mass, um, smaller gatherings at the church. I know there's social distancing, but um, even in that early time, what did you notice as someone who works for the church, like, or, or that you experienced like, man, was it hard in a sense to, to find practical ways to, to build community during the social distancing and what do you see coming out of it? And I guess your thoughts for where we're going with it. Yeah. Um, well, it was really hard for me because I'm an introvert. So I naturally tend towards 
silence and solitude. It's kind of my natural state. If I can be by myself, generally speaking, I'll be by myself. Um, but I'm also single and I live by myself. So building that community was actually, I found it difficult because I had to be super intentional about making sure I stepped out of myself and I made the phone call when I needed to talk to someone or um, things like that. Um, I found that this was a be really beautiful time for families because mm -hmm. all of a sudden families were stuck at home with each other. And I know yeah, that we were. <laughs> I know super, that it was super really, beautiful. It's, super, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I can't even speak of the beauty. <laughs> well, it's really funny because I'm the oldest of five kids and I was homeschooled all the way through high school. So I know what the chaos is like yeah. because that was my childhood. So it was actually, um, I really felt for families that were all of a sudden homeschooling families for the first time. But I'm not going to lie, I found it a little bit entertaining because everyone's reactions were just so great and it was so beautiful and wonderful um but it was really beautiful to see how families all of a sudden like the concept of the domestic church really became you know it became important again and i hope that this is something that we're able to take into the rest of our lives this understanding of it's important that we're a family and that we pray together and that mm. our faith has a place in the home and mm. and moving forward i don't we don't know what things are going to look like in the far in, in the future you know what is school going to be like what is faith right. formation going to be like we don't know all these things yet but what are the ways that you can take things that you do digitally right now and and make them something that you just do in your home without technology so how can you do things like faith formation without having to be on a screen um things like saying the rosary together or maybe reading the daily readings together and then discussing it things like that I think those are really great ways to kind of intentionally build that community um, within the domestic church. And ultimately, that's just a beautiful lifestyle and habit to always have in your family. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, I also found, so this is something, um, this is just speaking as a single person, and this might be kind of good for everyone in general, um, I found that there were, there were a couple um, people specifically in our parish who really made a point to kind of check in on me and make sure, because they knew, they knew my situation, they knew that uh, my family doesn't live here, so I don't have family locally, um, and then there were a couple of families who were like, hey, um, you want to come have dinner? We'll sit on the back porch, we'll social, social distance, you don't have to come in the house, just walk around back. And that was just really beautiful and, and beneficial. And I just, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. It was a beautiful way in which I think that a couple of our parishioners were very intentional about making sure that, you know, the single girl that works for the church was taken care of. And I think that we all know um, uh, single people in our parishes and just reaching out to them and inviting them to sit on the back porch, I think is something that's really beneficial but that's just kind of unique to my situation because i don't have a family um but and i think i'm so glad that you brought up the church and it has been a beautiful experience i know deanna and i can joke about like oh it's been so beautiful because we got some stories um, we do have stories <laughs> um, i i love deanna i love all your facebook posts and instagram because i'm like oh my gosh your kids are hilarious <laughs> i love it we had haircuts this week yes i saw yeah <laughs> those who didn't see were they planned haircuts deanna 
No, my five-year-old decided that everybody, their hair was too long. So <laughs> they move fast. Anyway, they, sorry. They do move fast. Um, but when it, but it has been a beautiful thing to see, to get to know our family on a more intimate level. Mm. And I didn't know I was missing so much of that. And the, the beautiful thing about being a family and living out the domestic church is that uh, that is your immediate school for evangelization. So for any parent out there who's like, oh yeah, I need to, I need to evangelize in this time. People need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You have the people that you need to evangelize to in your own home. You're stuck together. Yeah. Uh, and I wish I could say with complete confidence that I have exhibited Christian living really well for my children. Um, Sometimes maybe and sometimes not, but sort of learning through that um, and learning my kids through that, like they see our human frailness and, but also our resiliency and mm -hmm. how we've dealt with a time that's been um, like none other that we've ever experienced, at least in my lifetime. And I know other generations have had their own sort of crosses and challenges, um, but to sort of work through this as a family to get to know my children more, to get to know myself more. Mm -hmm. um, and so the whole idea of evangelization during this time, if you have a family, your audience is in your home. Uh, so to take some time to evaluate, like, okay, well, how am I, how am I doing that? How well am I doing in evangel evangelizing my domestic church? So, um, but, but sort of, kind of getting away from that a little bit too is there are i mean we still have a call and a mission to evangelize to everyone not just our family so being prudential is sort of how we do that and knowing that we only have a limited number of time you know, hours in a day but i came across some recommendations that i actually thought were really good um enable to like that enables you to sort of share on a digital platform which i know is not everything but um maybe you could record your personal testimony uh, and share that with people because even if we can't be in the same room there is a relational aspect like right now we're talking but we're learning from each other and communicating and so being able to um, share your story online and then maybe even have like a live chat session with people who listen and if they have questions uh, maybe start some sort of like spiritual conversation uh, where people can um, make like virtual appointments to like check in with you um, or to ask questions or to discuss them those things because yes being in the person is so helpful but we can still reveal who we are um, mm -hmm. reveal how god has worked in our life and sort of a more um, i guess emotionally and spiritually intimate relationship even if you can't be physically close so those are just some ideas that I thought were kind of neat. Other thing too is, because um, uh, the online digital world is not necessarily for everyone, you know, mm -hmm. Facebook and TikTok mm -hmm. and Instagram and Twitter, not everyone enjoys those platforms and is on those plat platforms. And that's totally okay. There are other ways that you can reach out and evangelize, you know. Um, you can, you know, text someone when they come to your mind or, um, uh, my spiritual director recommended that I write little handwritten notes when I, when people come up in my, while I'm praying 
And so when people come up in my prayer, I'll just write a little note and I'll send it to them in the mail. Little things like that go, go a long way. So um, the online digital world is not the only place to evangelize. There are, there are a multitude of ways that we can reach out to people and counter people. Um, phone calls, text messages. Um, I, we're here in Texas. I don't know what our audience is like, but here in Texas, we're in phase two of reopening. So you can gather in small groups. Um, so if you're comfortable with that and you can maintain social distancing, that's always a great thing to do too. So. And one of the things too, um, is, and I, there've been so many beautiful moments and I've seen them online, but with people who, um, are separated from like their family, like nursing homes being shut down, um, or I guess restricted, like no visitors, or there was a picture too of a, of a woman who was in the hospital cause she was about to have a baby. And so her husband set out a date night, um, below her window where he would have signs and he would show her, um, uh, like, I love you, or I can't wait to meet her, our son. But every day that she was in the hospital, he'd go out and set a table <laughs> um, and have like a date night with her. And so there was a picture from her hospital window. And I just thought that was really creative and neat that um, that there might be some sort of physical barrier, but our presence and the effort, the effort that it takes to go and to see people, um, it's been inspiring to see Mm-hmm. how people have sort of worked around that and be like, I'm still going to be present and I'm still going to be here. Um, picking up the phone and calling, writing, writing more letters. We've done a little bit more of writing letters uh, at our house too. So, yeah. That's awesome. And it seems like we're, even when things go back to normal, and I don't think that things are ever going to be the same Mm-mm. that we've gone through this experience, but it's almost a good gut check for, you know, that the tendency towards like a consumerist attitude when it comes to our faith. Uh, because I mean, during this time, if, if you weren't going to a, a physical mass and you're, and you're live streaming, like you can pick which type of live stream mass you want to watch. Do I want to have a Father Mike Schmidt's homily this week? Do I want to have Bishop Barron? <laughs> and there, and there's, some, there's some good to that. Um, but at the same time, making sure that, that it doesn't end there or, or it doesn't become so, so picky or so selfish <laughs> in a sense that, that we forget to go back to... Uh, to focusing on the the bigger picture or or getting back to community because it is it's very comfortable to uh, to watch a mass in pajama pants because it happens you know <laughs> um, or uh, to just get comfortable with maybe with the 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 way that things are now but just knowing that okay we've we've gone through this experience we're moving back towards community life and uh that that it's going to require that we step outside of ourselves so just kind of what i'm hearing from y'all in reaching out to other people reaching out to our single friends um reaching out to other families uh and you know following the the reopening rules but but yeah we we've got to get away from from just focusing on self and and connecting with others so yeah yeah, this it'll be interesting to see what what saints are made (laughs) <laughs> from mm-hmm. this time yes. that yeah. maybe a yes. seed was planted because a, a live stream mass was was begun or or something like that so yeah uh so so we're recording this on a saturday um and so the daily reading today talks about saint paul 
and how he was, um, he wasn't put in prison, but he was able to stay at the house of a Roman soldier. But basically he was, I guess, imprisoned in that way. I guess you could call house it arrest. like quarantined. Yeah, house arrest. <laughs> and, um, and this is what it says in Acts 28, verses 30 through 31. It says, he remained for two full years in his lodgings. He received all who came to him, and with, with complete assurance and without hindrance, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look at the writings of the Old Testament, I think he wrote 13, 13 of the 27 books of the, that are in the New Testament. And um, what an incredible saint and witness that our mission doesn't stop, that even if we are for years... <laughs> under house arrest or quarantine, that uh, to welcome those who come to us, but to also never cease in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ um, to those in our home, to those around us, and, and really praying to, praying to for our church. Like we are Catholic and part of the communion of saints. Um, we are the, the, um, the church. Oh my! I'm. Uh, why am I drawing a blank today? Militant. The, the, militant. I was like, I know the church suffering and, and uh, triumphant. What are we right now? <laughs> the church militant. Um, but that we do because we are part of God's family. We have been uh, adopted by Him through our baptism, and so to never underestimate or never take for granted. Um, the gift of prayer that we can offer, but really our obligation to our brothers and sisters in Christ and praying for them during this time, because that's a way that we can um, help build up the kingdom of God and our brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to mention that as well. Um, but is there any other thoughts that you guys have as we sort of end our conversation today? Elizabeth is probably one of, I, I call her like Catholic millennial <laughs> celebrity i don't know like she's she, no. she embodies everything that there is in being a millennial catholic so elizabeth <laughs> where can people find you online um i'm primarily on instagram so my instagram handle is um liz.slayton um that's instagram is my favorite platform it's in my opinion the easiest to use so that's yeah. what i do i'm also on facebook if you're on facebook i'm just elizabeth slayton and then i just um, quarantine does funny things, okay? All of a yeah, sudden, I had all of this extra time on my hands, so I started a blog. Nice. Um, so you can also find me on my website, which is restlesswitness.com. Um, so, yeah. I love awesome. that. So we'll have to check that out. Very and I know good. you just wrote an article for the Institute, too, that can be found on the Institute website. So um, about Pentecost and confirmation. So it's a great read. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Deanna, you're way better at closing these things out than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. But yeah, as, as uh, Mickey said, um, Elizabeth just wrote an article for us, which is at stphilipinstitute.org. Uh, maybe, I'm, I don't remember if it's featured on the main page, but if you look at our articles, um, you can see uh, her writing and, and others um, that have contributed. Um, we've got a lot of beautiful artwork because I think that that's something else that we've really picked up on uh, during this time is, is evangelizing through beauty um, as well. And um, we have got some of that beautiful art <laughs> at the St. Philip Institute. So please visit us at, again, stphilipinstitute.org. 
Um, we ask that you support us with your prayers. Um, you can also sign up for our newsletter just to kind of stay in the know of, of what's going on in the diocese, but specifically what is the Institute offering to, um, to evangelize and catechize uh, during this, this interesting time. Uh, and if you feel called to, to support us financially as well, there's a page for that. Uh, but yeah, Elizabeth, we are so grateful uh, for your witness and your voice in, in the diocese. And yeah, great things are to come, I think, from, from all of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. We're, we're so appreciative of you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, anytime. Absolutely. Well, we'll take you up on that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much. <laughs>